0: Ursula K. Le Guin's third Earthsea novel, The Farthest Shore, is in part the story of a crisis and its resolution. And you might say, well, every story is like that, but this is especially so. It begins with a crisis for Earthsea itself at the Isle of Roke, the place where the high arts of magic are taught and furthered and understood. And it really, in a way, at the pinnacle of their power. The Ring of Erith-Akba has been brought back. They've got a great Archmage in Ged, They've got, you know, a wonderful council of masters at Roke. Things seems to be going along quite swimmingly. And one of the problems with crises is that very often there isn't recognition at the start that there is a genuine crisis. And people disagree about that. And then acting on incomplete information they come to Hello different interpretations, judgments, resolutions, and that is exactly what we see happening. So what is the crisis? In very blunt terms, you can say it's a crisis of magic. Magic is failing, and so is knowledge, and magic and knowledge are closely connected together. Along with that, as we're gonna see, it's not just a matter of what people know how to do, it's also a lack of, you could It's a direction, a listlessness, a sort of affective problem as well. And we'll see this particularly in some of the towns that Ged is going to venture to with Arun. First, we have Arun of Enlod coming and saying that I've got some news and he says, you know my lord that the prince my father is a wizardly man being of the lineage of Morad having spent a year here on Roke in his youth some power he has and knowledge though he seldom uses his arts being concerned with the ruling and ordering of his realm the governance of cities and trade and so he goes down and he says there was a tale that came to my father's ears and he had the man sent for to tell it the sea captain said that on the isle of narva duen which is some 500 miles west of us there was no more magic spells had no power there he said the words of wizardry were forgotten my father asked him if it was that all the sorcerers and witches had left the island. He answered, there were some there who had been sorcerers, but they cast no more spells. And my father said, were not the folk of Narva Duen? dismayed? And the sea captain said, no, they seemed uncaring. Indeed, there was sickness among them and their autumn harvest had been poor and they still seemed careless. They were like sick men, like a man who's been told he must die within the year and tells himself it is not true and that he will live forever. They go about without looking at the world. When other tra- traders return they repeated the tale that Narva Duen had become a poor land and lost the arts of wizardry and so this is a story that's being told and notice that there's a connection between knowledge and wizardry and feeling and being prosperous doing well living a good life they are becoming poor they are living a life that's mere living and then something else happens In the story says, in the new year, in the festival of the lambs, my father named the wizard Root to say the spells of increase over the lands, but Root came back to our hall distressed and laid his staff down and said, my Lord, I cannot say the spells. My father questioned him, but he could only say, I have forgotten the words and the patterning. So my father went to the marketplace and said the spells himself and the festival was completed. And he said to me, 'I, I said the words, but I do not know if they had meaning." So he says, my father believes this matter in the tale of Narva Duen shows some evil at work in our part of the world. He desires the counsel of the wise. Now notice what's happening. The prince is sending his son to get information from the wizards at Roke. What he's really doing is providing the wizards at Roke some information that they need. Because they're also getting similar stories coming from some other places, far off, not near Roke, not near the center of Earthsea. And there's actually a suggestion at one point that perhaps they lack perspective in Roke because they're too well protected by the magic, the things that can hold evils back. And perhaps also because they have the imminent grove whose roots reach down to the bottom of the world itself. So what's going on out in the boonies, we could say, out in the archipelago, in the reaches, and then what's happening in the closer islands, and then what's happening at Roque, these are different matters, at least at first, as we're going to see. So Ged has a few meetings. First, he talks, well, first he talks with the Dorman, and he says, I'm gonna talk with the master namer and I'm gonna talk with the patterner. And the Dorman is kind of an enigmatic figure who, who doesn't say much, just smiles a lot. But he goes Ged to meet with the master patterner in the imminent grove. And in the discussion that they have, he says, there's word from Narva Duen and Enlad the same, south and southwest, north and northwest of." the Patterner, never looking from the round web. And he said, we shall come here this evening. This is the best place for counsel. And then the Patterner says, I don't have any counsel. You look to me for that sort of thing, but I don't have any counsel. Why not? I am afraid. There is fear at the roots The imminent grove, the trees who speak in some way, communicate with human beings, they are afraid. This is something that's quite big, something dangerous. Ged says, we must look to the dark springs. We've enjoyed the sunlight too long, basking in that peace which the healing of the ring brought, accomplishing small things, fishing the shallows. Tonight we must question the depths. And so they have their meeting, and we find out about what happened at that meeting a little bit later. The tale is really told in large part through Aaron's eyes with a few digressions like that. And so the next thing that we see is the seven masters, because the Namer is going to stay in his tower, the Patterner in the Imminent Grove. The seven other masters of Roke are having breakfast with the Archmage Ged and with this young man, Aaron, and they hear his news from him, and then they discuss what's going to to happen he says this is the doorkeeper or actually this is gad saying these are the masters of rokar and seven of the nine all of them know your errand here my lords this is the son of morid and notice this is a really great line here. No pride roused in Aaron at that phrase, but only a kind of dread. He was proud of his lineage, but thought of himself only as the heir of princes of one of the House of Enlod, Morad from whom that house descended had been dead 2,000 years. His deeds were matters of legends, not of this present world. He did not dare look up at the faces of the eight mages. And the art mage says, come, let's breakfast together. And they talk about what's going on and have a little bit of chit chat. And then they recount what happened at the Night's meeting in the imminent grove. And they discuss what their positions are. They didn't reach any sort of resolution. Why not? Was it that they couldn't achieve consensus? Yes, but the reason was they didn't find a clear pattern of what was going on. In order to know how to respond to a crisis, you have to have some sort of sense of what is actually happening so you can decide whether you're going to intervene or not and they can't yet tell what is happening and there's a you could say an alignment with the the master herbal winkey the changer and the summoner all saying listen i don't think that this is that big of a deal here's what they say the master herbal says that we resolve nothing is itself a judgment in the grove or patterns found but we found nothing there but arguments. so he's taking kind of a neutral stance and the master changer says, only because we could not see the pattern plain, We do not know enough rumors from Wathort, news from Enlad, strange news and should be looked to, but to raise such a great fear on a little foundation is unneedful. Our power is not threatened only because a few sorcerers have forgotten their spells. Notice that this is the guy who's from the very island that Arin is from, where magic is failing, and he's saying, eh, it doesn't sound like that big of a, right? So that's a bit of a stronger statement. And the master Winkey says, so say I. Have we not all our powers? Do not the trees of the grove grow and put forth leaves? Do not the storms of heaven obey our word? Who can fear for the art of wizardry which is the oldest of the arts of man? Saying, ah, again, don't worry about it. This is, you know, an ancient art. We're going to be just fine. And then finally the master summoner says, no man, no power can bind the action of wizardry or still the words of power for they are the very words of the making. One who could silence them could unmake the world. And then the the Changer says, "I and one who could do that would not be on Wat or Narvadwen. He would be here at the gates of Roke, and the end of the world would be at hand. We've not come to that pass yet." So the Changer and the Summoner, kind of you know, big powers in Roke, are saying, "Listen, the stuff that we work with, it, it's going to remain until the very end of the world." Now that's a little bit of a presentiment because maybe it is the end of the world, and we're not recognizing it, right? So that, that's kind of an issue. The master chanter, however, says something different. He says, there is something wrong. Where is the king who should be in Havnor? Roke is not the heart of the world. That tower is, on which the sword of Ereth-Akba is set, and in which stands the throne of Aserida, of Amkar, of Marion. Eight hundred years has the heart of the world been empty. We have the crown, but no king to wear it. We have the lost rune, the king's rune, the rune of peace restored to us, but have we peace? Let there be a king on the throne, we will have peace. Even in the farthest reaches, the sorcerers will practice their arts with untroubled minds, and there will be order in a due season to all things." Now, that's a little optimistic as it's going to turn out in both this particular work and in the Earthsea novels in general, but it's at least an opposed opinion saying, no, there is a problem. And then the... Master Hand says, I'm with you, Chanter. What wonder that wizardry goes astray when all else goes astray. If the whole flock wanders, will our black sheep stay by the fold? The doorkeeper laughs but says nothing. So he's not taking a stand. So there's disagreement. But in general, the sentiment seems to be, ah, not really a big deal. We don't really have enough information. We can't act on this news. Ged the Archmage says something different he says so it seems then to you all it seems there's nothing very wrong or if there is it lies in this that our lands are ungoverned or ill-governed so that the arts and high skills of men suffer from neglect with that much i agree so he's saying some of you are saying no problem at all some of you are saying we've got problems of governance i agree with that but that's not the real problem here you're missing something He says, it is because the South is all but lost to peaceful commerce that we must depend on rumor and who has any safe word from the West reach? If ships went forth and came back safely as of old, we might know things and so could act. And I think we would act. For my lords, when the prince of Enlad tells us that he spoke the words of the making in a spell and did not know their meaning as when he spoke them, when the master patterner says there's fear at the roots and will say no more, is this so little a foundation for anxiety? When a storm begins, it is only a little cloud on the horizon. And Ged says, I don't know what's wrong. There's a weakening of power. There's a want of resolution. There's a dimming of the sun. I feel as if we who sit here talking, we're all wounded mortally. And while we talk and talk, our blood runs slothly from our veins. So he's expressing yet a different opinion, saying, I think we got to do something about this. Now, the question then is, all right, what are we going to do? How are we going to get information? And here's where Ged, as the leader of Roke, takes a very interesting stand. There's really three main components to it. He says, we got to get more information. Somebody's got to go out there. That's going to be me. I am the warder of Roke, and I'm going to go out and find what's, what's going on. So some of them say, ah, you're too impatient to hang out here. You've been here for five years. Your feet are getting itchy. You want to go out and do things. And he says, no, no, no. I'm the one to do it. And moreover, I want all of you, the council of masters, you got to stay here at Roke. And by the way, he tells the summoner, you're going to be the one to help guard the gates. The doorkeeper guards the physical door to, to Roke, but you're going to guard the wall of stones that le- leads to the other world. It's important that the Masters of Roke remain as an unbroken council. The third thing he says is this little guy here, Arn, I'm taking him with me. He's he's gonna be my companion. And this is where interestingly the summoner is like, you know, listen, if you run into some real problem, what's this guy gonna do? He's not gonna be particularly helpful. Look at him, he's he's just a young man, nice, nice looking guy, you know, noble family and all that. Pledge to you, that's wonderful, but don't you need like a real mage with you? And Ged says, no, no. He He's the guy. I'm taking him with me. This will be what happens. Now, later on in the story, we find that the enemy or the whatever's going on comes to Rogue. The summoner, after he and the the changer try to use this stone to understand what's going on, the summoner goes off and does, you might say a rogue mission of his own and gets trapped in the dry land the land of the dead in the morning the changer sought the summoner entering his room after vain knocking he found him stretched on the stone floor as if he'd been hurled backward by a heavy blow his arms were flung wide as if in the gesture of invocation but his hands were cold and his open eyes saw nothing though the changer knelt by him and called him with a mage's authority saying his name thrice over he lay still He was not dead, but there was only so much life as kept his heart beating very slowly and a little breath in his lungs. So he says, the enemy has reached among us into roke the well defended and has stricken our strength at his heart. So he goes and gets the master healer. The master healer, the herbalist says, there's nothing I can actually do for him. By the way, I don't know if our craft would much avail. It seems there's no savor in my herbs of late, though I say the words of the spell, there's no virtue in them. And then the lad says, that is what the master chanter said yesterday. He stopped in the middle of a song he was teaching us and said, I do not know what the song means. And he walked out of the room. That night, the changer went from Roke. No one saw the manner of his going. He slept in a room with a window looking out into the garden. In the morning, the window was open and he was gone. They thought he had transformed himself with his own skill into a bird or beast or Mr. Wind even, and so had fled from Roke perhaps to seek for the Archmage. And here's the summary. So there were three of the masters lost to the Council of the Wise. As the days passed and no news ever came of the Archmage and the Summoner lay like one dead and the Changer did not return, A chill and gloom grew in the great house. This is precisely what Ged was worried about. The master patterner stays in his grove. The only one who's, well, there's two who are staying in good spirits, the doorkeeper and the master hand, because the master hand was dealing with illusions the entire time. All the greater powers of Roke don't seem to be working at this point. And so the crisis actually does come to Roke and the council of the masters